I want to thank our sponsor, Planet Ford. Planet Ford has always been a proud supporter of law enforcement in the community, providing customer service and fleet management, sales and service. If you're looking for that personal quality service, contact Planet Ford in spring or online at planetford.com. You're listening to Crime Scene Today, we discuss issues in law enforcement, forensic, and crime scene investigation. I'm your host, Dan Zentek. This week, we are in San Antonio at the Texas Association of Property and Evidence Inventory Technicians Conference, where they discuss uh, current laws and issues that are facing property and evidence techs. This has been the first conference that I'm aware of that is meeting in person. Now, due to the travel restrictions and other things, it's not as large of a conference as it normally is, but there are close to about 250 members that have turned out for this. One of the things that we always enjoy in coming to these conferences is certainly the education, the networking, but also is the new technologies that are offered and the vendors that come out to support uh, those organizations had an opportunity to sit down with the vendors at this conference, talk to them about their technology and products that they brought, and some of the new innovations that they have in managing the property and evidence rooms. We're going to talk to them. I'll let you hear what they have to say. At the end of the podcast, uh, one of the co-hosts, I had talked to her about upcoming conferences. After you listen to the vendors, stick around. We have a conversation with co-host Shelly in reference to upcoming conferences, uh, the Bloodstain Conference that is going to be virtual at a very low cost, and the upcoming event of the Crime Scene Reconstruction Conference in March. So some details on all that. So stick around. And next week, we're going to have Echo Hudson back on to talk about uh, developments and her domestic violence prevention and prosecution project that she had come on the show earlier about. So stick around for that. All right, so we're at the Tape It conference in San Antonio, and I have Sean and Chad here, a couple of the vendors, uh, talking to us about some of the recent technology that they're bringing to the conference. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your company and and what's going on, what y'all are bringing here. Sure. Thanks, Dan, for having me. Uh, My name is Sean Tierney. I'm the president of Foundrop, and uh, Foundrop was created by me while I was a patrol officer on the street. And uh, what I realized was uh, there was a massive disconnect between... Uh, evidence, detectives, and victims, and uh, office, uh, departments are recovering each other's property all day long. So, um, San Antonio may recover, you know, Dallas's property, or Tucson may recover, you know, Mesa's property, and they just don't know it. So that property sits there on a shelf, never connected to the case, and that happens within the agency itself. So you can have, um, you know, Tucson Police Department or Dallas recover property from their own cases, and it sits there on that shelf, and it's never connected to that case. So now we're talking about things that aren't in NCIC, TCIC, then, because normally serial number, that would connect by that, correct? Correct. But the problem with NCIC or state databases is that requires that serial number. Right. And uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, anywhere from 95 to 98% of people don't record those serial numbers. So when we have a burglary, a theft from a vehicle and so forth, um, that property is not entered because it doesn't have a serial number. And so what Foundrop does is you can exclude that serial number. Serial numbers are great because then we obviously have a direct match, but what Foundrop did is open it to a broad level to where with a serial number or without a serial number, whether it's a piece of furniture, a collectible, a family heirloom, or a firearm, we can connect that property back to that owner and that case. Okay, so... What exactly, I guess, is matching up? It's just types of items, similar areas? Right. What? So um, what we've done is traditionally the old uh, archaic way of, of uh, taking that, that property information from that victim is we would hand a victim a carbon copy uh, piece of paper, essentially, with kind of cell blocks on it where they would inventory their property on that. Right. And that could either be mailed in or, uh, you know, the officer would take it on hand depending on how much property there was. And then that would be given to records and entered into the RMS system and then filed. What we found was um, that data was not being utilized. It just okay. sat there never connecting anything or making matches to property. So what we did was we digitalized that victim follow-up form. 
And by doing so, agencies simply hand the victim an index card on instructions. In five seconds, they open their account on FoundDrop. They inventory that property on FoundDrop, and they flag each item as stolen. And then they can add five pictures for each item. Okay. And so um, what we have discovered is if you put that responsibility into the hands of the victim, the amount of data that you get, because they care more about their property than the officer right. taking the Let's report. Right, to the next call, right. Sure. Right. So um, the detail, and they'll, they'll go post, like say post-burglary, they didn't have pictures of their jewelry inventoried, but they'll go find wedding pictures and they'll include those into those victim reports. And so then, as soon as they're ready to submit that report, the agency's already listed on that report, they put the case number on there, and the agency receives that document by email or through API integration. And then all of that information on that victim report is matched to the property sitting on the evidence shelves. Okay. And then what also happens is we have what's called a hit list for detectives. And so a detective sergeant reviewing each case that he's gonna decide whether it's workable or not, he can look at the victim reports on FoundDrop and within two seconds assign that to the officer or detective and then all of that information from that victim report goes into that detective's hit list and then that's making matches on the evidence shelf as well. So now is FoundDrop a, a web-based? Is it something that the department has to have on their server? How no, is that it's web-based. Okay, yep. so and it's so the web-based. We're based. integrated with a company called FileOnQ, which okay. uh, has an evidence-based platform called EvidenceOnQ. And uh, we'll integrate with anybody out there. And then we, what we also do is we give um, the department a public interface to post found property that they're trying to get back to the community as well. So a lot of states require uh, agencies to post prop property in a public platform. So Texas, for example, is usually I think $500 or more. Right. Yeah. They're required to make public notification. Correct. We have an interface that allows them uh, far superior than trying to do it through Twitter or Facebook. Uh, it's a managed system. They can uh, upload that. It's department branded. Uh, it satisfies those requirements. They can add pictures to it. They can push out that branded page through their social media, uh, and we satisfy that uh, for them for $50 a month. Okay. So I know that y'all have numerous pictures of different things y'all do here, so that's not the only thing you're bringing, right? Correct. So, so what else do y'all have going on today? Well, I'm going to turn it over to Chad. And okay, Chad. The evidence All right, Chad, you have the I, evidence here. I'm uh, Chad Jay. I work for FileOnQ. Okay. Um, I've been with the company for about two and a half years now as an evidence consultant. Prior to that, I worked for a police department in Washington State for 24 years uh, doing evidence and crime scene processing. Okay. So um, my role with the company is um, getting our physical and digital evidence management systems out to agencies who are in need of a customizable, tailorable um, physical evidence management system and, and digital evidence management system. Um, our system is, uh, it will integrate, both our physical and digital evidence system will integrate with uh, RMS systems, um, or in the case of my friend here, Sean, his FoundDrop. So our uh, evidence system, um, you basically start with a blank slate. Um, you put the data fields on there that you, uh, that you want that are important to your agency for collecting evidence data, completely customizable uh, down to the locations, automated uh, notifications systems. Uh, we have a, uh, a web application so um, officers and detectives can use, enter their evidence, um, uh, physical or digital evidence out in the field as well. Um, so it's a pretty robust system. Okay, so now you talked about digital evidence, and we're talking, I know this is one thing that's come up in conversation as far as us having our, uh, our videos, our audio, and um, uh, photos from our scene. You're talking about uploading all that, Case. Correct. Our, di our digital on cue, uh, digital evidence system, um, you can upload uh, your crime scene photos, uh, your crime scene video recordings, uh, audio recordings, or video and audio recordings of your suspects, witnesses, from your interview interrogation rooms, uh, body-worn cameras, in-car cameras, um, video from 7-Eleven, Walmart, um, and those can all be uploaded into one central location under your, your case or incident number, 
and it's all right there for an investigator. So now a couple of these systems that are out, I know some of the questions have come up, different features that are available and not. One, uh, like in our case, as we were exploring this option, is how to get to the DA. So do you all have something there for transferring the case to the DA, to the defense? We do. We have the ability to share electronically through email. We uh, can e uh, send a link to the prosecutor or defense attorney. Um, they click on that link and they, it gets emailed to them. They click on the link, log in, and they have access to that case or incident that was shared with them. Um, our digital on queue system actually tracks when they receive that email and when they download the evidence uh, onto their personal computer. So um, yeah, we, we can track that. So what about uh, in your system, are you able to redact inside or are you still relying on outside for redaction of video or audio or those type of things? We actually have a contract with a video redaction um, company. Uh, it's not in our current version. It's going to be in our, uh, our next version. It's supposed to be released sometime after the first of the year. Um, and it is an external um, redaction tool. So you would download um, out of digital on queue into the redaction tool. And then when it's done redacting, it sends it back into digital on queue. Okay. So now uh, a couple of options as far as um, that I've seen. Are you all completely... Uh, cloud storage, or is there an option for the department to have it on-site storage? How does that work? You can have both. So the application itself is on a local uh, server in your agency, and you can save that digital evidence to your local server if you have the server space, or we do office, offer um, Microsoft Azure uh, cloud storage. Okay. So we have the found uh, over here, and we have the digital queue over here. Uh, Anything else that uh, y'all have to, to talk about that y'all are bringing? I just uh, take the opportunity to let uh, customers know that um, we are, uh, we've got a new pricing platform. Um, with everything that's going on in this world right now with uh, decreased sales tax revenue for cities and, and counties and states um, and defund the police stuff, we want to make sure that our applications are affordable and will fit the budgets of the agencies that, that need these tools. Um, so we've, uh, we've redone our pricing to a subscription-based pricing to, to help get our, our application in at a lower upfront cost. And then we are also um, including uh, all of our version updates uh, at no additional charge. Uh, we're warranting our equipment, so uh, handheld scanners, our mobile on queue device, printers. As long as you're not launching your, your scanner at your officer's head because they screwed up their evidence again, right. um, and it's just normal wear and tear, it's all covered 100% uh, for the life. Okay, I know we barely scratched the surface of what you would love to discuss with the customer, so how can they get in touch with you all so they can find out more stuff? So they can get in touch with us at phyloncue.com. Uh, they can reach out to me directly at Chad J, um, and my number is 800-603-6802, extension 147, or my email address, uh, chadj at phyloncue.com. Okay, and for you, we have the, how do they get in touch with you? For so your they can uh, email me direct at sean, S-H-A-W-N, at founddrop, F-O-U-N-D-R-O-P, only one D in there. Uh, or they can visit the site, founddrop.com. Uh, we've got a great video on there with success stories, and there's also a contact link on there as well. Okay. I appreciate your time, and thank you again for coming out, supporting Tape It. No, thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, we're at Tape It Conference with Zach from Tracker Products. And, Zach, thank you for coming here and supporting Tape It. And uh, so tell us what you bring to the conference, what's new in technology for us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. My name is Zach with Tracker Products. Basically, we are a one-stop shop, standalone physical and digital evidence management system. Um, so not a module. It is, it's its own, own organism that we, uh, majority of our clients are on our cloud base. So you're getting um, the most recent software on a daily basis. Okay, so now you said digital uh, and physical. So under the digital side, and, and I know I've, I saw an older version of Tracker. I haven't seen the most newest version. So under the, the newer version, under the digital evidence, y'all are talking about storing video, photos, audio, those type of things. Is this a cloud-based storage? Is this a uh, on the 
on the department server? How is that working? Um, definitely with law enforcement, we, we have both options available and there's different pricing structures for both. Uh, but majority of our clients that are law enforcement, they're on our cloud. Um, one, that makes it more affordable for, for the agency or department. Two, uh, like I just mentioned, you're getting that most up-to-date version when we kick out those updates. Um, so, yes, it is both. We can do on-premise and and the and the cloud. So now, one of the things that um, we've been asking in reference to digital evidence that the DA's office has inquired about is getting stuff transferred to them mm-hmm. and getting it to the defense. Do you have something built into that for your digital evidence? Absolutely. So we base our pricing structure on concurrent licensing. So how many individuals you need logged in at the exact same time? Okay. Um, you know, working in the system. Very well, you could have district attorneys um, or labs have a credential login for themselves where they can actually just log in from, from where they're at and access the certain case and information that they need. Now, is there something that actually sends it to them uh, so that they would know that they've received something new? You, We do have a built-in, that's a great question, we do have a built-in tasking feature um, where basically uh, the evidence room would be sending a task to that individual on the district attorney side, letting them know that they have um, have that piece of evidence at their at their. Um, fingertips. Okay. So, I mean, obviously we, we have a few, I mean, you know, you have some competitors out there. So, yeah. so, uh, so what makes tracker stand out? What do you feel? Why should people sort of go towards this as an option? Um, you know, yeah, th- more and more we're, we're seeing, you know, different kind of evidence management software systems. Um, we've been doing this since the early two thousands. Uh, we work with agencies here in the United States and abroad. Um, we really, we're a small and we're a small company at the same time so there's about 25 of us we're pretty hands-on we enjoy what we do we eat this up on a daily basis um but we also we listen to our clients um like i said from the early 2000s we're taking suggestions from those working the evidence rooms on what they need and building that into the system. So so being, I say, um, I, I don't want to say a smaller company because software companies can run off of uh, not as many people, right? But do you feel that, that gives you all a competitive edge as far as pricing and stuff is related to others? Do you feel you're equal to that? or? Um, I think, yeah, we, we definitely remain competitive and we're, we don't hide our pricing by any means. It's, it's right there on our website. Um, and I think you get your, your most bang for your buck. Now, also, we have a sister company the Evidence Management Institute, and we created the sister company to kind of up the bar in education and training, Um, and there's audit services available as well. So I think that definitely sets us apart having Evidence Management Institute um, basically create not only a a new education standard uh, and raising the bar in that, but also, you know, providing audits and services like that in addition to having the software at your fingertips to help you manage evidence because you could have software but if you're not educated in the processes and standards that are are out there it's it all has to be a puzzle that comes together and works together right so one of the i guess common things uh headaches of a property room is the audit so uh how does i know that tracker has an audit type system in it so how is how easy is it to go through the audit process with Tracker? oh fairly easy um you know, with with the technology we have, with the barcoding and scanning capabilities, and, and now with our mobile application out there, in a and it's a few versions deep. So, um, so what does the what does the mobile app do? I know that that wasn't around when I looked at Tracker. Before. The mobile app basically has the basic functionalities of the the main system itself, uh, right in your right in your hand. Uh, so it'll u- utilize a you know iPad, tablet, um, cell phone, camera for the okay. scan. Scanner, um, saving you money there on a scanner as well, but you can run audits and everything right from from your phone or tablet. Or okay, so now when you talk about the, and I'm just thinking that as far as a phone, then this is an officer in the field. They can take photos for evidence, take video for evidence. Will that upload straight from their phone? That will the- upload straight from from that device, and you could attach that to the case right then and there, creating the chain of custody from the field. Okay, well. 
anything else uh, about Tracker that uh, you'd like to, to end with? Well, I appreciate your time and stopping by my booth today, but definitely uh, jump on trackerproducts.com. Um, check it out. There's and, and how do they get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me. Um, my email is zdowns, D-O-W-N-S, at trackerproducts.com. Shoot me an email with any questions or, or anything you want to discuss, uh, evidence management related. Love to uh, interact with you. That'll probably be the best way to reach me. Um, or my cell phone number is 513-417-9084. But like I said, trackerproducts.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great information on there. Oh, Zach, thank you so much. Thank you for your support, Tate. But I know y'all are here every year, and we appreciate you coming. Thanks Thank for you. stopping by the booth. Like I said, appreciate it. All right, we're at the Tapit Conference and talking to the vendors here, and I have uh, Jim from PadTrack, is that correct? Yep. All right, so I know you've been uh, in support of Tapit for a while. I've seen you here before, uh, and I think the thing that always stands out and something we've uh, looked at is the um, uh, RFID. We're yes. going into evidence for, for doing our massive audit that we have to do on occasion. So, so tell me what you bring to tape it. Tell me about your product here. So our company was a, a software company that developed uh, software for banks. And uh, we were approached, we were looking at doing uh, loan document tracking. And so we had a local uh, police department, uh, Denham Springs, Baker, Louisiana, approached us if you can track loan documents, can't you track evidence? Sure. And so we looked into it, and we spent about a year in our evidence rooms trying to figure out what they do, how they, what keep track of things and it seems to be a problem challenge if you will right uh, nothing's ever lost in the evidence room we just have difficulty locating it from time to time right and right. so what we do is we came up with a system using our RFID tag which is similar to what you would use in a toll road okay so when the car goes underneath the toll road they keep track of the cars they send you a bill and we have set up evidence environments where we actually can tell with a RFID tag we put an antenna and a chip in that where that location of that tag is at all times we're able to go in we can use a handheld and take you within three inches of that tag okay the other thing that it allows us to do is it tracks mobility so when you go to put evidence away we assure that the gun got in the gun room or the drugs got in so the basically like a geofence if it's it leaves, a, fence, uh, it's, leaves it's, an area you're going to know about exactly it. exactly so the same way with inventory so when we get it to the gun room we continuously monitor the gun room so if you got a thousand guns in there we're counting them every day verifying that we're seeing the tags one of the big problems today with evidence if an event we had in Braintree, Massachusetts, where evidence was being borrowed by an evidence officer from the evidence room, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, what they've done is uh, we can actually go in and tell you that, you know, if someone walks out with a piece of barcoded evidence today, you don't know that it even walked out or where it's at. Right. If they did take some drugs or take the evidence gun and they leave the tag in place, we'd at least be able to show you intent. Right, and you have date time that's date heading time, out, possibly exactly, exactly. versus going through Same. video of hours and such. Exactly. If a tag's destroyed um, through a shredder or something like that, then we know the last time we read that tag was 2 o'clock on the 13th of October. So now, j just so I understand, as far as the tag, is there um, some type of expiration on the tag? How long does the tag last? That type of thing. So these tags are lifetime tags. Okay. So what they do, there's no batteries, there's no charges, the system charges the tag. Okay. And so what we do, when we print the tag, we actually encode, hard encode, a number or ID identification on that tag. Okay. That cannot be manipulated once it's set. So once that thing is set with the code, then we literally keep track of it. And it doesn't interfere with any other tags that you read or anything else, but similar to a grocery store, we walk out the door, you use a shoplifter, it sets off the alarm. That's kind of how our system works. But yeah, but a lot of the grocery stores, they'll have a battery-operated tag or something like that. But, so we don't rely on battery operation because the cost of the tags would be expensive. Right. So. Well, and that brings up, because obviously people are going to ask, obviously currently with them printing, mm -hmm. there's certainly an advantage of knowing where things are, but there's an additional cost. So how, mm -hmm. much, how much are tags Your costing? tags are about 30 cents each. Okay. And so what we try to do is we try to incorporate um, a, a, the tag in your annual software license and your hardware license and your hardware maintenance. And so what we do is we give the police department, smaller agencies especially, we budget this amount every year. We know what it's going to be. We include the number of tags that you use on average. They can always buy more tags, 
but we include that each year and we automatically ship out the tags. So an agency like Dusan, uh, Louisiana, five officers, thousand items, they keep they get their 500 tags every year. Okay. And so it helps keep their costs down and they know what their budget is. So now you mentioned a software that comes with it. So obviously these tags are used with your company specific software, right? Right. right. And um, I know in, in list he speak earlier, uh, this ties into some RMS databases that are mm -hmm. already out there. So mm -hmm. uh, there's yeah, a lot of APIs already in place to, to work with your software. Exactly. So how's that work? So basically we run off a of SQL server. And so a SQL database is what we use uh, to store information. It's stored typically in the agency's um, PCs on their server house uh, to keep it from being vulnerable to a cloud right. attack or anything like that. Um, we will write the API for any vendor. We have several across the country that we already have interfaced with. And what one of the problems we run into, a lot of times an agency will buy an RMS system and they'll look at it and they're going to look at the reporting they're going to look at everything for the uh, records management system and they'll say do you have an evidence system and they go yeah we do and they kind of throw it on the deal and okay. it's not quite detailed well, enough and usually usually the ones making the decision are not are not working evidence right yeah, and they'll go in and they'll say okay i got you new evidence system good luck with it right right <laughs> go check this out and so that was our intention was to write a evidence system designed by evidence technicians and what their needs were. And literally, we have been driven by the marketplace. So the inventories, we were reading tags for our own benefit to make sure we could see the tags, we weren't losing tags. One of our agencies said, can I use that to keep track of my gun room? So and now, so, I think one of the most time-consuming things in the property room is when we change a person, when just our audits that we have mm -hmm. to do. So obviously, this is steadily basically doing an audit, mm -hmm. right? So. Um, so I guess to document a report for an audit, what, what would that look like? We, we constantly, we give you an item report. So okay. we actually, on the item report, we can tell you exactly all the times we've seen that uh, that item, where it was, when it was, when we saw it. So we, we always are building that. The other thing we can do is we can do a spot on it. We actually load that into a handheld. Okay. And so we can actually go in. I'm looking for box one, shelf one. There's 50 items in there. And we can actually go through and read those 50 items. We can set it to a read zone of three inches. Okay. And so we're verifying that those items are actually in that box. So how long does a read take for a box? Um, I had 24 items, 100 items, about 60 seconds, 30 okay. seconds. I mean, it's fairly quick. Uh, one of our agencies, they did a barcode uh, inventory took three officers about a month to do a year's worth of inventory. Sure, yeah. Um, same agency had been our system for four years. They did four years inventory, one officer in about two days. So, great, so great time saving there. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and it's like that, you know, you get that day, you come up, and all of a sudden you get a court date and the items are due. Right. And you go to look, and they're supposed to be on shelf one, box one. Typically, you look above, on, list eliminates that. You just load in exactly what you're looking for and it takes you right to it. And then we literally do a count and check sheet. We do a total chain of custody. We have a mobile signature system, so that way when anything signs out, they sign the pad. That signature is embedded with the evidence information at all times. So we've got this full chain of custody of the individual, their IDs when they pick things up, and any photos, videos, that's all implicated in the uh, property. Okay. Well, Jim, I know that uh, you are at Tapit uh, every year. I've seen you here. You do a great job in supporting Tapit and coming here. Uh, how do people get in touch with you? How do they learn more about this product? So you can go to our web, web page, cnaassociates.com, patracks.com. Um, we've got our LinkedIn. Uh, we have pages for CNA Associates and patracks on LinkedIn, same way with Facebook. Okay. So. Well, Jim, I appreciate you uh, talking to me today, and I appreciate uh, you coming out and supporting Tapit. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And I'm here with Randy, uh, talking to all the vendors with uh, their different products, new technologies. So, Randy, I'm, I'm so excited to see this here. So, y'all have come up with something to dispose of our narcotics and such without uh, putting them in an incinerator. So, what, what, do you, what do you have going on here? So, what product do you bring this year? Well, thank you, Dan. Um, again, I'm uh, Randy Keller. I'm with a company called Narcon. Uh, we have uh, a product uh, in that we have developed um, as one, one of our many products um, that uh, provides on-site drug destruction. Okay. Um, very simple, uh, easy to use. Um, packages come in various sizes. All right. All preloaded with uh, activated carbon and a liquid we call a surfactant. 
Um, the product, the way the product works is that all you do is add your drugs, whatever they may be, in okay. whatever format, um, to our containers, um, agitate them, and within an hour, uh, most of the drug will be uh, destroyed and rendered in unrecoverable according to the DEA standards. Okay, so now I see you have one container over here that says four cannabis is is there ones that specific for each type of drug or is there just one why is there one that's for cannabis and one that's for other things how's that work well we have we basically have two different types of products right now okay one is called the Nargon HD and okay. this is for all for uh, illicit drugs other than marijuana all right um, the pills that uh, uh, meth um, PCP coke heroin, coke, heroin okay. um, regular pharmaceutical controlled substances two through five um, it, it it's a catch-all for most drugs that you'll find um, that will be um, confiscated uh, okay through activities then we have a product that's been uh, that's brand new um, we've been asked to uh, put one together for uh, cannabis, uh, for bulk destruction of cannabis. Um, we have a lot of uh, agencies that have found property, uh, sure, smaller right. amounts. Um, a lot of agencies don't have the ability to take them and, and uh, take their marijuana and get it incinerated. Right. Um, the nice thing about this Nargon C is, is that it uh, it takes care of the bulk plant. Uh, within 24 hours, all the THC has been removed. Um, and the nice thing about both our products is that they don't have to be hauled away. They can be put in the regular trash. Okay. So I know you have a couple of different sizes here, and I know that I'm, I'm looking at the poster. We got like a five-gallon bucket, and then... Uh, what I'm looking at here, all the way to about the size of like a, a gallon milk jug. So, are there other sizes in between, or, or I guess larger? Yeah, than our that? our Nargon HD comes in various sizes, okay. everywhere from a five gallon pail okay. all the way down to a uh, a one gallon jug, all as right. you noticed. Um, our Nargon C right now only comes in one size, and that's the five gallon okay. container um, because of the bulk that usually. Uh, it comes with the destruction of the of the plant. So, what's the general, I guess, weight? What what would be, I guess, the amount that I would put inside that five gallon? In a five gallon pail in the Nargon Sea, um, you're looking at about five pounds. Okay. All right. Um, we have uh, on our five gallon um, Nargon HD. Um, the capacity estimated capacity is about thirty thousand pills. Okay. Um, it, of course, you know, we take all types of formats. It'll come in liquids. The drugs will come in liquids. They'll come in, in uh, uh, paste. They'll come in crystals. They'll come in powder. Uh, it takes all these formats. Um, so now with the, with the new cannabis, I know the obvious thing would be, would be the plant subject type of thing. How does this work or on which product would I use on uh, the, the candies, the gummies, the different things that are being sold in other areas that may be illegal in this area. Yeah, the uh, Nargon C is is mainly for the cannabis plant. Okay. Everything else we recommend the HD. Okay. Um, the reason is is that it breaks down uh, those the packaging or the the outer um, uh, package. Whatever is contained in for right. the candies or, right. or whatever. And then it, right. And it pulls the active ingredient out, uh, attaches it to the carbon, which makes it unrecoverable. Okay, so uh, the uh, I know you sort of talked about the process. So, if I have my drugs and so I'm just dumping them in there, and then what's what's my I guess process of doing? Yeah, this we here? we don't want you to completely fill the container. Okay. Uh, at one setting, uh, we tell people to gradually add uh, product over an hour. Okay. Um, agitate, add more product, agitate um, until the package is full. Okay. Once the package is full, if there's any liquid left, we also provide what is called a hardener pack. You just put that in, it removes the liquid. That's what the landfills are concerned about. They don't want you putting waste in the landfills that has liquid in okay. it. So that's why we give you the hardener packs. Uh, the nice thing about this is this is not a one-time use product. You can fill it up whether it's today or next week or, or three months from now. Or five so, years. So you just keep um, filling until you reach that, that keep point. Keep filling until you get to about an inch from the top of the package, uh, the container, and then 
that's the time you decide to get rid of it. So what kind of pricing do we have on the different sizes that we're dealing with? Well, right now, um, we have on the Nargon C, we have a price of $299 okay. for that. Um, and then on the uh, Nargon HD, a five-gallon container is about $350. Okay. We're offering a special during this month, uh, 20% off. We okay. also um, talk when... when agencies come to us and say we have a cleanup that we need to do we have a bunch of backlog that we need to help get our evidence rooms cleaned up they'll call us and we'll make a deal with them okay. on, on a volume purchase um, we're very flexible on that kind of uh, uh, purchases because the fact is is we know that that agencies are put in that position sure from time to time okay so how would someone go to get in touch with you and about your product and reach out to you well, we have a website. It's okay. called uh, nartgone.com. Okay. If they go ahead and reach out to that, they can get our uh, contact information or uh, go ahead and fill out a contact information on that website. We'll get back to them, or they can call us uh, on the number that's listed on that website, nartgone.com. Okay. Well, uh, Randy, I, I appreciate you coming out. I know I've seen you here before. Thank you so much for supporting Tape It. And for anybody that doesn't, as you said, uh, have the ability to incinerate and have those access, this sounds like a, a very good option for them. So I appreciate you uh, coming up with this to offer that for them. Yeah, the, um, the neat thing about this is that it gives them the option to destruct it on, on site. Um, helps with the reduction of, of any chance for diversion and the liability that goes along with that. Um, but the nice thing is, is that not every agency has the option to be able to incinerate, right. um, and, and they need to be able to get rid of the, their backlog. And this this does it for them. We're we're very appreciative of of the support. We've been here a couple years, and and every year it seems like we keep adding more and more agencies across the country. Well, that's great. We appreciate you yeah, taking care of us you. too. Thank you so much, Randy. All right, we're at the Tapit conference, and I am with Gemma. Uh, who is here uh, delivering some products, new technology for crime scene and property room. So what are you offering here? What do we have here today? Well, hi, Dan, and thank you so much for doing this. This is quite interesting. I'm um, with a company, Sarepa company, called Healthway. We design our specific systems for public safety. We recognize that in public safety, you have some issues, especially evidence room with the storage of uh, drugs, um, as well as this new pandemic that we're facing. Our Healthway products um, have really been designed with your situation in mind. One of the added benefits is with our disinfecting filtration system that we've been using in clean rooms, um, as well as negative pressure rooms for jails, as, as well as your facilities, now have been tested against COVID and we are able to eliminate COVID. Um, we can eliminate basically particulates um, with our equipment down to 0 0.007, which is 10 times more than any HEPA filter. Okay. And that was one thing I was going to ask. I know that I guess it was probably last year, the year before in our property room, you know, we we brought in this, a typical over-the-counter like you buy it at one of the big box stores or whatever for mm -hmm. the property room. Uh, just obviously from the, the drug smell and all the other things in there. Uh, and obviously what we're talking about here is is way better. It's it's to the extreme of what you would buy at a big box store, right? So well, for sure. One of the one of the issues is, is um, you know, they'll basically take an air filter made in Taiwan and say that it's HEPA and that it'll remove, you know, particulates. You can't really do anything, especially with the climate that you have and the contaminants that you have in an evidence room, no over-the-counter um, air quality, air um, unit is definitely going to remove the contaminants that you deal with. You need to have charcoal and an, an, an immense um, amount in a charcoal filter to remove the molds and the um, marijuana smells. Right, which which we're aware from wearing our filter masks that have the charcoal and all that. So yeah. you have a couple of different units, different sizes here and such. So yes. So what are your recommendations? Is it based on the, I guess, the size that we're dealing with, what we're trying to filter out? 
Well, we offer a, a unit called the Deluxe, and it's basically good up to 1,300 square feet okay. with, with a dedicated charcoal filter. So for your smaller evidence room, for an intake room, and um, because that it will eliminate COVID, it, you can use it also as an office application or maybe in dispatch where you have a lot of people on okay. top of each other. Our next unit is basically what we call a 950. The 950 is good up to 3,000 square feet. So it's for your larger warehouses, um, you know, in in areas where you're storing drugs and and also anywhere where you want to mitigate viruses and airborne pathogens. A one step that basically that our, our next in our lineup is called a 2000. 2000, it'll basically move 2000 CFM of air. Interesting application because it is self-contained okay. or it can go in line, right. which in your facility, especially if you've d- a dedicated um, AC right. in, so, it yeah, can no. go in line okay. and then basically turn every vent in there with clean air. Okay. So what kind of what kind of pricing on low end, high end that we're sort of looking we, on? We basically go from uh, $650 okay. for your entry level, again, and that's more like protecting four or 500 square feet. And from there, we basically go up to an $11,000 product, which is, is basically, you know, moving 20,000 CFM of air. Okay, so now obviously um, there's changing stuff out. There's there's maintenance on these and mm-hmm. such. So what's a maintenance cost possibly per year that we're looking at? What's great about the portable units that your staff can maintain them. They're um, easy to, to basically change the filters. So typically you're looking from our entry units, you're probably looking anywhere from 200 to for for the smaller units to about 700 for the larger units. Okay. Um, then our inline systems, our self-contained systems, those units we recommend a maintenance program. Okay. And that would be basically a healthway technician annually, biannually, depending on the use of your system, come in and change those filters for you. Okay. So obviously a lot of stuff and a lot of different needs out there. So how does someone get in touch with you to find out more about them or your company? Well, I, um, I can be reached by phone or by email. Okay. And what I always like to do is definitely find out um, about your facility right. and your needs and you know what it is you're trying to do. And then what we can do is basically give you a recommendation that's gonna help and a solution to get you know, to the problem that you're having. Okay, so how do they get in touch with you? Well, my phone number, yep. 561-339-5505. Okay, and your email? My email is Gemma at healthwayflorida.com. Okay, spell Gemma for us. G-E-M-M-A. Okay, and so to find more information about the products, I'm sure you have something online for them to go to? Healthway.com. Okay. Very good. Well, again, I appreciate you coming out, tape it, supporting everybody out here and just giving us more information out there. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much. We look forward to seeing you next year. Uh, joining me, I have Shelly, uh, one of the co-hosts of Crime Scene Today, also the president of the IABPA. Uh, so we were talking about conferences coming up and they have a conference which has gone uh, virtual. So like many conferences have during this uh, COVID season. Uh, so, Chelly, thanks for coming on to tell us a little bit about this. Now, y'all just recently had, I guess yesterday, you had, uh, I guess, like a prelim, a free webinar going on? We did. We had a about a 90-minute webinar on the scientific foundation of blood stain pattern analysis. It was hosted by Jeremy Morris. He's a criminalist out of Johnson County, Kansas. Um, he's a certified blood stain pattern analyst, and so he graciously did two presentations, um, one at 7 a.m. Central Time, the other was at 5 p.m. Central Time, and the reason why those times are kind of odd is because we were able to reach 720 people in 40 different countries. That's awesome. Yesterday. It was. It was amazing. So now this is sort of, uh, I guess, the the first part of it. So the conference is November, correct? Yes, it's November 16th through the 20th. So our traditional conference is usually four days and, you know, our face-to-face conference, and it's usually the first week of October. Um, 
when we lost the ability to have our face-to-face conference, we decided to try to put together a virtual conference on the on the virtual platform, but do it in such a way that it didn't contradict with any other forensic conferences, and to try to reach out to as many practitioners in as many countries as we could in the attempt to try to unite everybody. Um, right now, we are the International Association of Bloodstain Pattern Analysts is a truly international conference, and I think we've discussed that before on the podcast. Um, however, there's, as we learned yesterday, there's a lot of countries that have never participated before. So this is going to be an amazing opportunity for us to get to know them and for them to feel included with us. So it is an exciting opportunity um, to be a president during COVID and trying to, you know, do new things and, and really just encroach in territory that we've, we've never imagine yeah well i think you know it brings up a point as far as these conferences that are going virtual and i notice i mean like looking at the conference it's it's 30 dollars, right that's your registration fee and and obviously uh, that is not the normal fee to go to to this conference uh normally it's more expensive to to have people join where so you know, the one thing with the virtual conferences, obviously you miss out on uh, the meeting one another, right? The networking and just getting to see and get to talk. It's the outside of the classroom conversations that go on that, that's amazing. But one of the benefits that we've seen from some of these conferences going online is, as you said, people that normally would not be able to attend, wouldn't be able to either travel there because of funds, because of their departments or situations allowing them to do so, uh, are now able to experience this where they normally haven't been able to before. Correct. And the only reason that we charged was because of the subject matter. We felt like if we put some cost on it, number one, it would, you know, any, any student, whether it be a junior high forensic student or high school forensic student, you know, even a college forensic student, right. It's, it's, most likely for anyone probably under the age of 18, they're going to have to get their parents' approval to pay for it. And, you know, instead of just signing up for a free conference. Um, and so that was a way that we could hopefully police our audience a little bit so that if a parent was going to pay for their, their student to participate, they would at least be aware that the the content the subject could be matter, for, right? <laughs> yes, the subject matter could be for mature audiences. And, um, you know, I mean, they, they cover a lot of blood stain patterns in junior high now. Um, you know, but it, it's just a way to kind of monitor and, and police uh, the folks that are going to be in the audience. Well, I mean, by all means, I mean, it, it's a fair price to begin with. I mean, it's even if you go virtual, there's a cost associated with doing these. I mean, there's... Sure. So we we actually have, um, we're going to have translators. So it will be translated in Spanish and in French um, and in English, obviously, so that most countries speak one of those three languages, um, even if it is a second language. So, um, you know, and there is a cost to pay a translator to you know, kind of work in tandem with the presenters. So, yeah, there is a cost associated with that. And so we tried to, to anticipate how many people we thought we would have um, divided by what the translators are going to cost, and that's how we got to our price. All right. So now currently uh, on the website, which is iabpa.org, for anybody interested in listening that would like to get this information at 10. But right now it says check back with us for program details. So you give us any insight on, on things that y'all are planning or certain speakers or topics that uh, y'all been throwing around? Yes. Yeah, so we actually have a have right now we are still in the process of accepting abstracts so we have 24 abstracts that have come in and that is by that you know, has come in from people from all the different countries as well as here in the United States um, the committee is vetting those 
those abstracts. We are still waiting on um, seven or eight that are supposed to be coming. Um, and then we'll start plugging those into the into the the framework. It's not going to be traditional like what we in the United States think of as a conference, like eight to five. Um, we're going to spread it out so that it hopefully accommodates people like in Australia, New Zealand, and Hong Kong. So you will see presentations that for us may be late at night or really early in the morning, like at 6 a.m. Um, and that's so that the folks in, in those parts of the world, that's during, you know, their, their waking hours. Um, but for the $30, you can attend any presentation. So if you want to attend the presentation that's done by the guys from Singapore, then you can absolutely tune in during that time frame. Um, and so you're going to get a really wide mix of, of research that's being conducted from around the world in reference to bloodstain pattern analysis, as well as some new techniques in scene processing, um, chemical processing. Um, there is a presentation on how to publish a paper. If you want to do research and publish your research, then there's going to be a presentation on the steps that you take to, to do that. So I think there's going to be a, a wide variety of topics that's going to pertain to students, young practitioners, and veteran practitioners alike. So now is there going to be a after-conference access to this in some way? or is So that's going to be up to the individual instructors on the subject matter that they're presenting, whether they only want it presented live and not available for replay, um, or if it is, if they are going to allow us to post it a week past the conference, kind of like we did with the webinar yesterday, um, that's going to be available for a week. And so that is our thought right now is that most, if not all of the content will be available seven days past the end of the conference. So until the 27th of November. Okay. And so wrapping up on, on that one, uh, just some other conferences that uh, I know we have coming up. Uh, you're also involved in uh, ACER, which is the Crime Scene Reconstruction, and that's in March coming up, correct? That is in March. That is going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we are working with the Hard Rock Hotel there in Tulsa to see what the if there is a release on restrictions or or if, you know, what the economy is going to do. We have some federal employees that belong to that association that right now are under travel restrictions. And so we're really just watching to see how the pandemic plays out. And if in the next couple months um, their, their travel restriction is, is lifted, then it is going to be a face-to-face in-person conference. Awesome. Well, that uh, it'll be exciting to get back to, to going to conferences and seeing all the people who we've known throughout the years. That one is scheduled for March. Um, as you said, just still watching it, see whether this is going to be a, an in-person or uh, whether it goes virtual or like many have had to do, such as the IAI, and just uh, just completely put it off till, till the following year. So um, we're all seeing what happens on that. All right, well, very good. Uh, Jill, I appreciate you uh, coming on and just uh, giving us some insight on those coming up. And uh, we will certainly be talking again in the future on, on many topics, but uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to Crime Scene Today. We are part of the IR Lone Star Community Radio family and featured on all major podcasts. Currently listened to in 16 countries around the world. If you have a topic you would like covered, if you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you'd like to become a sponsor of the show, please contact me, dan at crimescenetoday.com. We appreciate your continued support. We'll see you next week.